Oh, hello, my name is Gilbert Clark. I'm the Executive Chairman of Meridian Mining. We have a belt-scale VMS copper-gold project in Mato Grosso, Brazil. Uh, today with me is Dr. Adrian MacArthur, the CEO of, of Meridian Mining. He's actually on-site in San Jose, Catamarcos. Gilbert, Adrian, nice to, nice to have you both. Good to see you, Adrian. Thanks, thanks everybody. I'm uh, it's Adrian MacArthur. I'm the CEO of uh, Meridian Mining. I've worked with this company now for for six years. We've been working on Cabasal for over a year now. It's been a very transformational project for us. Busily drill, drilling with three rigs in operation. I'm here in the uh, the company office in South Jose to cut from Marcus, about half an hour away from the project area, and uh, look forward to presenting to you the, the project today. Great. Well, good. Let's let's get straight into it. Um, I see you've just. Uh, um, put out 64 meters at 1.9 uh, copper equivalent. That was uh, earlier this week. Was that on Monday or was that Friday of last week? Uh, Monday. Yeah, Monday we put that out. That's a, that's a good result. And you got 20 meters at 5% to the bottom of the hole or at the bottom of the intersection, which is pretty nice. Um, can you just um, tell me where that is? is um, so, so when I look through your presentation and all of your marketing material, you know, it looks great and really exciting. But what I'd like to do in the course of this conversation is, for me, clarify kind of what you're working on at the moment, what's going to go into which bit of the study, and you know, just just kind of understand where the parts relate to each other. Um, so, so perhaps just the, you know, that first drill hole. Where you know, where did that fit into the picture? Yeah, that was a, a very significant hole for us. It was uh, a hole that was drilled in the, the central copper zone. Uh, over the uh, historic Cabasal gold mine. Uh, Cabasal operated this very selective rim and pillar style uh, underground mine at a three gram per tonne uh, gold only cutoff grade, uh, less than a million tonnes was extracted from the project area. Uh, this whole formed part of our, our uh, metallurgical program. We've drilled a number of holes now into uh, the three principal copper zones in the, in the mine environment, along with the Northwest Extension. Uh, uh, significant high-grade extension building out uh, from the mine area, extending over 800, 900 metres to the northwest. Um, there was a hole that we we drilled, um, I guess, between between the workings. There's a number of levels where uh, the gold was previously extracted, but um, being small scale, uh, this hole was drilled to drill a continuous column of HQ-sized uh, large diameter core and it, uh, it intersected a very significant wide uh, continuous copper zone. Um, the, the lower part of the package, the MS package here, tends to be higher in uh, copper, gold and, and silver. Uh, we had a particularly high grade um, basal zone, which we weren't particularly anticipating. We, we knew we'd hit reasonable mineralization, but uh, getting such high grades was um, somewhat of a, uh, a pleasant surprise. We've, we've, we've been seeing more and more actually Coarse gold intersected in this uh, in this project, and that reflects, I think, um, in the era there were limited platforms for underground grade control, so not all the development was systematically drilled off at the tight spacing, and uh, the opportunity that leaves for us is that there's uh, quite significant high grade mineralisation left in addition to the very extensive uh, copper mineralisation, which of course wasn't the focus of the past operations. Okay. Um, I, I realise now I've, got to, I've actually got to step back a bit um, and to kind of get my head around the, there's a historic resource of 22 million tonnes at a relatively low grade, 
percent copper and 0.6 grams gold. And does is is that in and around the old mine? And and is it separate from the 800 meter kind of extension you've got to the northwest? Yeah, so it's, it's slightly uh, in and around the old mine, and there was uh, some limited shoots that were modelled off to the northwest, but we found much uh, much wider and more significant uh, packages of mineralisation in this northwest extension. So uh, a feature of the historical drilling was drilled on very wide uh, spacings, 100 metre spacings to the northwest with vertical holes. Um, one very important one, we're, we're lucky to have a, uh, a board of advisors, which uh, includes a number of the uh, geologists that worked on the project historically, Rocky Osborne, uh, just some exterior people that were uh, chief mine geologists, senior, senior mine geologists of the project, uh, Alfonso, the exploration manager. Uh, one thing they alerted us to was the fact that there were um, encountered within the mine environment, both very shallow dipping uh, loads mineralization, the original BMS package, but these late stage cross cutting uh, subvertical structures. So, with our drilling to the northwest, we've drilled very purposefully uh, angled holes, and we found the, in fact, the, the package of mineralization that we intersect is uh, much wider in, in many areas. We, we, uh, we get much higher grades as a result of picking up both the flat lying package and these, uh, these steeper cross cutting structures. So, if you like, there's a, there's a core of um, dense information around the mine environment itself. The mine workings extend over about uh, 500, 550 uh, metres in extent. Um, the, a minimal part of the resource extended past that, but there we've been successful in both building that, uh, the mineralised envelope both in both directions beyond uh, its limited extent previously. And does the, um, is the VMS geology intact? I mean, have you got the kind of the classic... Um, uh, kind of, uh, you know, the the the, the yeah. upwelling and and the, the kind of the umbers zone. and the feeder zone and the kind of the the, the bottom of the uh, the bottom of the ocean floor that's kind of spreading. Have you got that kind of mushroom style geology with the kind of stockwork underneath and the stringers and you know it, 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 is that in place? Or has it been um, rotated? Has it been broken up? I mean, you know, yeah. in a in a fashion it is, but it's um, it's quite a high strain uh, builder. So it's. Um, then the, the rocks now are metamorphic rocks, so they're uh, structurally deformed. They're, they're schistose. Uh, got a very strong foliation. Um, in fact, the, the package is inverted. So uh, once what was once was uh, flat lying and pointing upwards, it's now been uh, tilted and overturned. So we we, we drill through, first through uh, lower grade um, copper dominant mineralisation uh, stringer packages where the mineralisation has been somewhat dispersed and disseminated through the host rock. Uh, as we go downwards, we progressively go into more uh, gold-rich environments. And there's a, um, in the original mine development, they found um, parts of the massive sulphide uh, exhalative pile. But uh, the lower, lower contact with the package is actually uh, a shear zone. So part of that original uh, mound strategically has been um, uh, well, it's, it's now a, a structural contact. And that was an interesting question for us. The, the question was raised in a contemporaneous study back in the, uh, the 90s. Um, you know, was there part of the massive sulphide mound that's been dislocated from the, from the deposit and that's still part of the uh, ongoing exploration question for us? So uh, you do see elements of that BMS particularly and certainly the alteration, uh, the characteristic alteration, style, albeit with the metamorphic overprint, 
Um, and look, the, the structure could be interesting. The, the structure has had a significant uh, effect in coarsening up the copper sulfide mineralization, in uh, coarsening up the gold, in, in redistributing the gold. And uh, we think that's important in terms of the, the metallurgical um, signature that historically has had excellent recoveries. And uh, you know, we think a lot of that's to do with this uh, structural overthink. Well, just one thing I'll add on that, it's actually really quite important to bring into the narrative, is a lot of that conventional, what you talk about, the conventional model of VMS, we've got the VMS pile and the feeder system coming up to it. Um, a lot of the mines that you'll see even today that are out there sort of drilling or, or being operated, that root system is just essentially, it, it, it's far too non-economical at, at these, you know, two, you know, six, seven, eight hundred metre vertical depths. And that bulk mineralisation can't be exploited or commercialised. Now, with Cabasal, that root system has been literally put on its side and brought to the surface, and that gives this incredibly large mass of, of you know, what is it, 1% copper equivalent, 1.1% copper equivalent um, material at surface, and then that it's the tonnage that we you know we envisaging will make quite an interesting um, resource statement. Thank you, Gilbert. That that, that helps. So, um, you've got this kind of inversion of the system. So you've got the kind of the lower grade at the surface. What I'm what I'm struggling with is to understand kind of how you. Um, how you you establish your vectors, your exploration toolbox. You know, what are you working on to, to to pick out your trends? Are you going on structure? Are you going on a kind of a metamorphic foliation? Are you, you do you use um, geophysics? You know, I, I haven't got my head into the into your head yet. Well, just on that, there's two. There's one thing you've got to put into the into this again with the dialogue is the actual limitations of the Cabasal deposit were predefined. So what we're doing now is infilling. We actually knew that it was a, a large, flat-lying, northwest trending mineralised envelope. What we've benefited from, Adrian will go into detail, is that overlying this, you know, sometimes up to 100 metres thick, gently dipping at surface copper gold mineralisation, we have an incredibly high-grade overprint of sub-vertical gold, structurally controlled, which actually arguments the grade quite significantly. And that's late stage, and that's brittle fracture, and that's um, you know kind of post dates the mineralization. Does it re and is it related? I mean, is it remobilizing gold, or is it kind of uh, kind of a reactivation of a deeper heat source? Or um... yeah, some very good questions there. I think um, I guess to be through a few of the questions there in terms of the data that we're leveraging off, uh, we've been fortunate to be able to access all the archival records of uh, RTZ. So there's uh, thousands upon thousands of pages of scanned data there, historical geophysical uh, information there, all the geochemical information, the drill assays. Um, so you know, some of the, uh, the success that we've had with the drilling in the Northwest Extension and some of the interesting prospects that are evolving in the regional exploration, um, we're building off a very good base of work done by initially BP Minerals who originally found this Greenstone Belt and then uh, RTZ who acquired the project. So in terms of the vectors that we've got to work with, uh, we've got a, an extremely sound, systematic, well-constructed um, database. One of our geologists actually, one of our senior geologists worked on the original projects back in the 1980s. We were lucky to have his uh, 
knowledge and uh, he's, he's been extremely excited by the results we've been getting. Um, to supplement that, we've, we've bought state-of-the-art geophysical equipment. So we've got our own uh, in-house geophysical crew. Uh, we've got uh, downhole electromagnetic probe, uh, surface electromagnetic uh, tools, which um, look for, I guess, the, the more copper-rich end member of the BMS family. Uh, we've got um, our own IP equipment, which uh, I guess lets you back the four, uh, in addition to massive sulfides, a disseminated sulfide halo. Uh, we've got our own gravity equipment, which we recently purchased, which will uh, let us assess the deeper seated uh, structural architecture. So we work on a range of levels geophysically and we'll be gradually building up the, the database over the broader project. In terms of, I guess, um, vectors as a, a database of over 600 holes that have been drilled in the Cabasal sphere itself, other holes drilled in the belt. Um, of course, that provides an enormous amount of information and you go from a very data-rich environment with close space drilling within the mine to this uh, broader space drilling. So, um, you know, so that's given us some clues of where to go. Um, it's been, I suppose, a matter of following, um, in, in some respects, it's 101, Geology, we've got geochemical anomalies which remain untested. We've got structural trends we can predict out from the mine. Um, and it, it's been uh, just really doing systematic uh, follow up work that's uh, led to some of that success in the Northwest Extension. And we're building on from that. I guess we're getting, uh, in a day by day, we're continuing to drill and develop our ideas and uh, following the trends as we map them out with denser data. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things that sold the project for us, just the fact that it had so much information that we've been able to leverage off both in Cabasau but also in the regional targets, which we're still in the early stages of uh, developing and evaluating. Uh, Adrian, thank you. That's a, a really f full answer. Um, I'm impressed that you've got good uh, in-house geophysics and you're, you know, and you're doing the systematic work in geology and geochemistry, you know. Um, uh, VMSs have historically responded well to, or kind of, they've shown up well on um, some some versions of geophysics, whether it's gravity in the IBM pirate belt or, or elsewhere, um, and EM in other places. So, and and indeed IP, um, the 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 VMS I was working on in um, I'm working on in Ecuador was picked up by IP, um, and you know lots of famous cases of gravity being a successful tool. Um, uh, for VMSs, but um, can I just jump back to a kind of a comment, Gilbert? You made. You said that you know um, that, that it was the 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 mineralization or the the ore body was kind of known. You know, you had six or seven hundred meters of this known ore body. Does that mean that the the envelope of mineralization? within that 22 million tons is unlikely to change very much no, for the no. work for the work that you've done. No, and no, that really, that really, what you're just working on is the grade um, change with the kind of the inclusion of the high grade, the, uh, the vertical structures. Or um, could you expand no, on what, that, please? What, what we've done is we've been able to, by a multiple, increase that envelope. So the envelope, that density of drilling was kind of like the resource drilling. And then they did a, uh, to the northwest and to some extent to the southeast, they did like 100 metre step outs of drilling and now drilling vertically and they hit this, this 0 0.6, 0 0.7, you know, the full range of VMS copper equivalent going north. They did not hit any gold. And in the context of this 
program we were using this information, what were, what were they targeting when they defined that envelope? They were defining a zone of mineralization that was plus three gram gold. That was the criteria for delineation drilling. So what we did, we're looking at the, the, the VMS, the commercial attributes. And so we were able to, in conjunction with you know, the, the known drilling and chatting to the geologists at the time, effectively all Adrian and the team have done, used that information and then drilled angled holes back to the northeast in, in orientation and just progressed that up to the northwest. And we now can see that that high-grade gold overprint that's been effectively missed by the, because it's sub-vertical, it was effectively missed by the sub-vertical or the vertical drilling. So we've actually just said, okay, the VMS continues and the high-grade gold overprint continues. And it, the high-grade gold overprint, that was identified in 88 and the drilling program was finished in 86. So never revisited the drilling program. That was at the completely the wrong, the right, or, right orientation for a flat-lying copper-gold VMS system, but absolutely useless to also target the high-grade sub-vertical gold overprint. And, and th this is actually quite substantial numbers. Can you, can, you, can, can, you refer, can you refer to a map just so I can understand kind of... Sure. Um, if, well, look, on our, on our presentation, if people were to look at um, the current presentation you get from the website on page eight, there's um, a, do, you want, do you want to pull it up now? Or, 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 yeah, I can, I can share it. There's no problem at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, why don't you pull it up now and then we can, if you, you just kind of point with your mouse on it. Um, see, what we can see here is this was the concentration of the drilling in the centre, these, these grey dots. You can see it's like a mass now. Like that's yeah, how yeah, yeah. much drilling it had. And what they did is they then progressed to the northwest because there was a, a gold anomaly to the northwest, these grey dots. So what we did is we knew there was one high-grade gold hit, um, JSP, was it 326? 216. 216. It had a very high, you know, three metres at 300 grams gold, and effectively they drilled down one of the veins. So we actually, all we've done is followed that structure of that one. There's multiple structures. We've followed one structure to the northwest, and then we've drilled angled holes back to the northeast. The northeast. And we've just hit continually high grade. Uh, it's, it's, you'll see, Merlin, you'll see this, the standard variation in, in distribution of gold. It's not, you know, you'll have zones going up three, 400 grams per tonne, and then you can go five metres and it might be going only four grams per tonne. But overall, the, the, this one of these structures that we've now defined um, some 950 metres of sort of continuous structure can be quite quite astounding in the grades. And it's it's identifiable um, because the, the sub-vertical feature has an elevated business signature, not in the penalty range, right. just background. Yeah. And so the, our VMS corridor is some 50 kilometres and within that high-grade gold where Cabasalas, which is one of seven of our targets, we know that the, the gold overprint is, is, is very present there. And now as we've looked back into the data, of course, 11 kilometres to the southeast, we have multiple targets. We can add another mine, small mine. We can actually identify the VMS sequence. And, and is that is that is that shown in that um, in the bottom left of the image? In the there, bottom right, that? yeah. Those two yeah, little yeah. mine signals there, that's about 11 kilometres. 
Yeah. And we can actually identify the high-grade gold overprint along that entire strike. Do you have the multi-element geochemistry to be able to go back into the data? And, and uh, I mean, were they doing, I know, 36-element or 52-element kind of ICP analysis and back in the day? Yeah. The, 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 the key soil um, techniques were the basic ones, I guess, the... Uh, 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 they do gold counts in soil, uh, copper and zinc uh, systematically. Um, I guess we're building on that with a, a more uh, thorough multi-element package now. They did a little bit of work on on uh, lithogeochemistry on on the rock uh, the rock mass. Um, so we've got um, some of that data. I guess the the, uh, the systematic base metal package is uh, the most valuable data set and the most uh, comprehensive and systematic one. Um, I might, if I may just make one comment about your question about the resource and the ability to uh, to grow it. Uh, one thing we found, because it was uh, a mine, or well, the company at the time was focused on the high-grade gold, uh, the high-grade gold sits within a much broader uh, copper envelope. And we, we found uh, in a number of cases where we drilled uh, twin holes, uh, we were drilling beside holes where we weren't particularly expecting to get mineralisation because the previous core didn't show any assay data. Initially, we thought, okay, well, that's because it's uh, it's, it's barren, hasn't been sampled. But what we found with our, our drilling was that when we sampled it continuously, or obviously we could see it and sample, decided to sample it continuously because we could actually see extensions of the, the sulphide footprint into these previously unsampled regions. And um, very simply, um, you know, there was a phase there where where many of the holes weren't, uh, most of the holes, in fact, weren't systematically assayed. So particularly this higher um, uh, copper zone, um, many significant gaps in that in that coverage. So part of our resource development program in the, the months ahead will be to cover those gaps. Um, in the previous modeling, these were just holes in the in the mineral envelope. So there's been you know, quite a substantial change mm. in places to the position of that that uh, envelope knowing that the, the, the core wasn't systematically sampled. So you can see that within that historical model, they've got zones sometimes, you know, I think upwards of 20 metres in some cases where they've literally got zero grams per tonne, zero copper, but we've gone through and assay that and all of a sudden we've got 0.45, 0.6% um, copper equivalent. So you can add, that's going to be additional tonnage into the project. So w where are you on the... Um, I haven't got quite clear in my head. I saw you had 15,000 metres for kind of metallurgical um, and drilling, but where are you on your resource evaluation and where are you on a kind of a scoping study in terms of those kind of building blocks? Um, in terms of the drilling programme, um, we, we've just done a selection of metallurgical holes. So initially we embarked on a, a 10,000 metre programme and we, we expanded that because we, in light of these recognitions that there were high-grade trends that the previous drilling hadn't represented in the northwest extension, the areas that were left unsampled. So we've uh, we extended that by 15,000 metres to be able to give that ad adequate coverage. Uh, the the metallurgic program's been, been finished. That was a selection of uh, uh, half a dozen or eight, eight holes that will uh, be in the process of being assayed at the moment and will be sent to Canada. Um, in terms of the, the, the drill program at the moment, particularly we're, we're in a... Uh, infill phase, so a lot of the drilling in the northwest extension remains to be. Um, uh, I guess we, we've drilled a lot of trend. We're we're progressively stepping uh, across strike, 
now and building out our knowledge as Gilbert said this uh, as if we expect we you know, by analog to the mine we'll find a range of these uh, high high grade gold structures which vertical drilling uh, missed so you know a lot of our drilling will be in that in that northwest so, extension still the yeah. parallel parallel structures um, so it's not just one it's a series of parallel structures that you're testing on a series of fences along that strike yeah this is actually um, a good cross section here. I'll just bring it up. This is from page 18 of the presentation. Now, if you look at the top right uh, of, the, of, the, of the diagram, you can see the vertical drilling from BP. They've gone through and done on, say, 25 or 30 metre spacings, a vertical hole every 100 metres, and that picks up perfectly well the flat-lying green outline of the VMS mineralisation. Absolutely yep. perfect. But as you saw in hole 54, which was... Um, 54.4 metres at 2.6 grams per tonne gold, 0.4 copper, 1.7 silver. It was made up of a lot of these very high-grade gold veins that are sub-vertical, so they were just completely missed. And we yeah. expect that there will be other zones where it will be um, to, the, to the, if in this diagram on the top right, to the, to the right of it and to the left of it, there'll be other zones of high-grade gold, and they will be structurally continuous, but the gold distribution will be variable. You'll have some zones, uh, as for any gold mine that I've worked at, you'll see zones where you have absolute boomers and you'll have some lower grade zone, average zones, barren zones, but the structures will continue. And we'll probably have to drill this down to say 25 by 25 metre drill spacing. But that's, as we've gone north, you know, that one zone of high grade gold you can see in the top right there, you know, that goes to the north another 900, me 900 metres or so. And we go up in zones that are going down 26 metres at 21 grams within a copper envelope of uh, 0.2. Um, we've got zones going 1% copper. It's, it's a very much a typical VMS root system. And if this was, say, three 400 metres of vertical structure going down, it would be non-economical. But because of the, the bulk tonnage near surface or at surface, nature of it, all of a sudden you've got a very large mineralised envelope which has got optimal ge geometry and geography, a geometry, sorry, for, for a um, open pit and, development. And so that's this, so that dashed outline with a 950 metre kind of strike length, um, that ellipse is the drill target for 2022. No, that's one of the, that's one of the zones. We've actually got a we think we're going to have multiple parallel zones trending northwest of high-grade gold overprinting the, the flat-lying VMS sequence. Yeah. Well, we'll have a, um, at the moment, we've got three reeds on site and two of them are, are currently deployed in the northwest extension. Um, we, we had some indications in some of our early drilling um, last year where we stepped up some, some way off the trend to the, uh, to the west that a few holes, had, a couple of holes had intersected a... Um, Elevated gold, and we're you know, following up, doing some follow-up work of uh, exactly what Gilbert described as testing across strike. Um, the the system, although we haven't discussed it so much, either yet the, the system is open to the south east as well. So for the southeast part of the VMS package uh, plunges at a very gentle angle beneath a, a post-mineralization dike. The the geochemistry becomes subdued. Um, but we know again from the reconnaissance BP drilling that some of the holes they punch through intersect with the same stratigraphy. So 
Uh, we've got further work to do uh, along the trend to the southeast, along as much as we do to the to the northwest. Here, we, we, we uh, in, in many ways, it's a question of you know, multiple opportunities to um, to work and build the resource. Um, so, it's uh, you know, it's one of the focal points. But you know, building the extension to the south is important. Uh, a bit of close-off work to do in the in the eastern copper zone, the uptip part of the deposit, which was. Uh, not as intensely drilled by BP again because they were focused on the underground development. So uh, yeah. some of the very shallow drilling we did there last year intersected some gold mineralisation. So we've got a little bit of work to do to just uh, pick up and expand on those trends as well. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, Gilbert, can you just kind of summarise for me um, in simple terms what they, as well as drilling the multiple parallel sub-vertical zones in the south, in the in Cabasal Northwest Extension. You know, what are your? Um, are, are you putting a pin in the drilling um, at some point and putting out a resource statement? Um, you know, what are the what are the building blocks that you're working on this year? Kind of the key areas. We, we, we will look to put our first resource statement out end of Q2, Q3. You know, it, we know that it could still be open, but at some stage, very quickly, we're going to put a pin in it. So, right, let's just calculate it and we'll do a resource upgrade at a later stage. And potentially also include, say, the first resource for St. Helena. Um, and we've already done our own in-house studies. We have a very good operations team. We're not a uh, – we, we have an execution team. We have mining engineers, geologists, and so forth. Um, we've already started <clears throat> and did an in-house and an external uh, evaluation on the project. So we'll probably go straight into PFS. Um, we're envisaging, and we think we, with quite significant and strong support, that the open pit potential is some uh, a pit of some 2,000 metres in strike length, probably 800 metres across, going down maybe to 180 metres vertically. Um, one of the things we haven't really touched on, which is crucial to all of this, is the, is the overall metal recoveries, the metallurgy. So we don't have a, we have a very limited satellite layer. We go straight into crystalline rock after, say, 15 to 20 metres. So that means even though the upper pit will still go through the gravity circuit, we know from production data, Merlin, actual, you know, what does this mine do? Well, we know we'll get somewhere around 94% recovery on the copper and the gold and probably upwards of 86 87% recovery of the silver. We will produce a gold dore on site and this will come, this project could as a potential producer, I could have to keep saying potential, a, a copper, gold, silver concentrate of say around 26% copper, maybe 20 grams gold and a couple hundred or maybe up to 180, 160 grams silver, that type of range. So that will come out in our, our pre-feasibility study that we intend to launch in Q3. And so, sorry, sorry, the, 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 do you know yet how much of the gold will go to the copper con? Yeah, we'll get 55% of the gold will go into the gravity circuit. Um, they, in the previous life, the mine was using uh, shaker tables. We'll go with the Nelson concentrator. So that, that fine percentage or fraction that doesn't go, it doesn't float and it's was too fine for the shaker tables, we'll recover the Nelson concentrator. And then the, the other 45% will go into the other recoverable gold, will go into the copper con. Um, this is actually some of the best metal I've ever seen. It, it, we think we'll get, um, we know that we don't have to use any type of um, reagents to get the copper to float. It's a soft, a soft flotation 
uh, maybe um, I think we're projecting somewhere around 12 to 15 minutes to get 100 of the recoverable copper. 100% of that will be covered in about 15 minutes in the flotation cells. Uh, the grind the size, is that right? 120 yeah. microns. Okay. Very, very coarse. When, you, when we, like Adrian and I have looked at it and discussed it many times, when we look at the, the Chakapara mineralization, it's incredibly coarse. It, it, it's beautiful. No, no mercury, no deleterious. You know, we don't have all the problems of the Iberian, the Iberian pirate belt where it's incredibly fine. They've always had historical metallurgical problems. We don't have it like in, in Spain. We've got no mercury problem. We've got no arsenic problem. Um, I mean, the copper con out of IBP is, is, is a dirty con. You know, there's a reason why you've got mercury towers in, with the Rubus in Hamburg because it's a dirty con. It's a dis discounted concentrate. This will be a premium concentrate. And uh, lead and zinc? Uh, zinc floats off completely separately. Um, we know that it's, it's never been a penalty element in the, um, uh, in the cover cell concentrate. Uh, the lead has never been in elevated or recoverable. It floats separately. The St. Helena mine, um, it actually is interesting. The, um, it, it produced just a zinc and a copper concentrate and they let the gravity go just went to the tailing stand. But the, there was a small uh, amount of lead went into the zinc concentrate there, had elevated iron. Um, but that was, Santolina was incredibly rich in silver. It was going, you know, six, 800 grams per tonne silver in the concentrate, historical data, of course. Um, so, no, the, this is the quite remarkable commercial attributes because, you know, we, we are looking at, say, uh, $100, $120 rock, give or take. Prices come on. And I can't say for a gold project or a, a copper project because it's 50 50 on the cash flow. Um, but it, it is remarkable. The, the, if I'm going to be mining, say, all in delivered cost to concentrate is, say, $27, $28 a ton net smelter return cutoff grade, and you're looking at a rock that's $100 a ton in situ value, you know. The cycle nature of, of the mining industry means if, say, if even commodities come off 30 or 40% in X years, this thing will still be cash flow positive. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you could, um, even if you come off 30, 40%, you'd still effectively have a pretty decent margin, close to 100%. And the strip ratio on this one could be, you know, sub two and a half to one. Yeah. And we go straight into crystalline rock and, what we've communicated and we're going to evaluate in the mine schedule is the northwest extension. We have one zone up there, some 200 metres to strike, which is incredibly high-grade gold starting from, I don't know, 30 metres down. It's, it's very high-grade gold. We'll probably focus our initial production there from, and for, for mill feed and put through maybe, you know, it could be 8, 9, 10-gram bird and focus that to pay off the capex, the debt component, as quickly as possible. I mean, do you talk about internally about what the right scale of this project is? I mean, because you can't you can't scale it right until you know what you've got. And if you've, well, you know, we're, we're it, focusing on two point five million ton because we think there's going to be a resource uh, potential resource statement that could support that for a you know twenty year potentially you know maybe a twenty year initial twenty year mine life. But when you go to project finance as a, as a Developing resource, developing mid-tier company where we're aiming to be, 
when you go to the project finance, if you go to a bank and say, I'm going to make a five million ton per annum mill, they're just going to say, no, nah, walk away. So we'll walk and then we'll run. There's a scalability of this asset because we have agents, of, we didn't really touch on it, but you know, two kilometres down the road, you've got a three and a half thousand metre copper gold zinc anomaly. You go, we've got satellite high grade projects like St. Helena, and you go, another 15 kilometres down the road, within trucking distance, satellite, um, a deposit at Alamos, and that's 4,000 metres of conductivity trend and, and associated, uh, some associated soil anomalies, copper, gold, zinc, silver. And we have projects to the northwest again. So you have to look at this Meridian's asset, Cabasau, in the context of, say, Flimflon. Go back to Flimflon 1914 or 1913 when it was discovered, and then big central deposit, multi-decade producing, which was then fed via satellite deposits. And that's exactly what we've got here. We, we, it was really interesting yesterday I had a chat here. I'm in, in um, Vancouver today, and they, one of the investors said, look, what are you comparable to? And I said, look, what you should really be looking at is in three months or four months' time, how many of these other companies in the market will be comparing, us, comparing their projects to ours? They'll be saying we've got similar attributes to Cabasal because now yeah, there is no comparable in this project. And I'm I'm, 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 a, I'm a great believer in VMS camps, um, yeah. but I'm also a great believer in um, in exploring is easier than building a mine. Um, you know, building a mine is a is a complex, and uh, you know there, there are lots of places for people to trip up on building a mine. And I'm not I'm, I'm not saying that a development company shouldn't have ambition to build a mine, but um, you know, question mark is is there? You you say you're, you're looking at two and a half million tons, and maybe five million tons is is way too big. But maybe we've got a bit of exploration along the along the trend and perhaps look within a 10 kilometer trucking distance and maybe the, actually the best size is three and a half million tons and it, it, could, it could well be but at the same time what we have to look at in, in in it's how we acquired the project which was the purchase agreement where we have to actually build a mine and it, within that context okay i look at cabasal we work the agent on where the, what the resource you know Resource delineation of a mine is perfect. Agents got the great experience on that. And then, as serious as my roles, I'm complementing the uh, with Adrian, we're complementing the execution team. We'll bring on another executive um, sometime shortly. Um, that's the that's a perfect size for a mid tier company because if we were to say developing a porphyry, the equity component to build that mine wipes out the equity value and that's why they always go for a discount. But with the VMS systems, the equity component to build a mine, because you've got the debt, the banking debt, the project finance, but the equity component is not dilutive to the shareholders, it's achievable, and then all of a sudden you've got a, a mid-tier developing asset with, with paying potentially paying dividends for decades to come. Yeah, great. Well, um, I I get all of that because you know I'm I'm in a company with a with a VMS. You know, I know all about yeah. all about that. So, um, no, really interesting. Um, um, Adrian, um, Gilbert, thank you so much for talking me through it. Um, I'll, I'll I'll be certainly looking out. So, so Gilbert, you you said kind of um, putting the resource Q two Q three. Is 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 it kind of more likely to be Q three given that you've got lots of dynamic stuff going on in the on the drilling? Uh, I can't telegraph results, but I. My feeling it will be earlier Q3, I think. Uh, 
I think that's a, a, a I would really love to push it Asian to get it um, by Q, by end of Q2, by June, but we've, we've got um, a very high standard of technical ex- excellence, which is led by Asian, and that's fundamental to the success of the company. And But we will put a pin in it, and I think um, uh, if our a QP uh, said, okay, but we're happy to go forward now, then then we'll do it. Uh, I think that's an achievable time frame, agents of end of Q2, start of Q3. I, I think that's right. I mean, we've, we've, it's uh, obviously, you know, we, 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 at some point we've got to put a pin in it, as you say, and, and define the limits. Um, I think there's many uh, exciting growth potential projects here in terms of, you know, exploration, development, indications of intersections that are just... Uh, Waiting and anomalies waiting to be followed up, but um, you know, with the skill said, we we uh, will be building a mine here, and we'll need obviously to draw a line in the sand to have the basis. And there's, there's always uh, you know some scope for doing a bit of infill work to convert you know, indicated to measured resources. Uh, so there'll be a little bit of you know, work to carry on, but uh, certainly by by that target frame, I certainly want to define what the the full footprint of the mineralized envelope is and get the critical parts into you know, indicated, minimum indicated resources and uh, be on the way to, to measure. So, um, yeah. There's one thing, Merlin, that Adrian's just touched on, the, the first resource. Um, everyone, it's a justifiable analogy, is the, the Lausanne curve of valuation and equity growth. And that is a very good curve for, for investors to follow. It works very well on single asset companies. The Lausanne curve really doesn't have an, a, a, an allocation or an influence on a, a belt scale VMS camp because you've got multiple discoveries over the belt. On a single asset company, it's very justifiable. But for Meridian, this is going to be the first resource of one of our first targets. And we've got seven other hydrothermal centres to develop. So the Lausanne curve doesn't apply. To, it doesn't apply to belt scale projects because you just keep discovering. It's it's that when we've already got our next resource target ready to come into the into the fold, which is Santa Helena, and then we've got other. Uh, just if it was in Australia, agent, this thing would be peppered. Oh, that's right. I mean, it, it, it's it's it, people often ask us about project analogs and uh, you know what what the project's fundamentally about and the opportunity it presents. And really, it's built that's a well mineralized belt that's been frozen in time and expiration since uh, RTZ. Um, you know, stopped the, the mining operation in the 1990s if it wasn't the scale of asset that was uh, you know, in line with their portfolio and there's nowhere else that we can think of really that we've, we've seen this uh, quality of targets that are left untested. We've, we've got areas which have got 8 gram per tonne soil anomalies that, that are crying out to be drilled. We've got, as Gilbert said, 3,500 3, metres of, uh, of, of polymetallic base metal anomalies that similarly in any other environment would have been drilled systematically. Um, so, you know, that, that growth potential that Gilbert has spoken about, it's uh, a real, again, just a real selling point for us for the project. It's, uh, we've, we've got 50 kilometres in the Cabasau Belt. We've actually also got a, a large footprint in uh, in the parallel belts to the west, which have got exactly the same stratigraphy and a range of, uh, of anomalies, geophysical, geochemical anomalies that are defined by that first era of BP work. So this will be a belt that's going to be you know, it's, it's really a multi-decade exploration and discovery proposition. I've got no doubt about it. Well, good. I, I look forward to uh, seeing more results coming out of it. If you if you bring up some core and stick it in the core shack in uh, the PDAC, I'll have I'll come down and have a look. 
Yeah, um, certainly will. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for your time, and uh, um, I'll catch up with you later in the year. Excellent. Thanks, Mel. Thanks very much.